0: Welcome to Grow Her Women Worth and Work, where we're sharing experiences on the real triumphs and challenges women face in the workforce and empowering women with relatable stories from some amazing everyday people. We're your hosts, Angela Priest and Runa Knapp, and today's guest is Anna Stephanie. Anna is an extraordinary entrepreneur who took a leap of faith, leaving her corporate career behind to become a thought leader in the paid family leave policies and solutions space. Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you as our guest. So to get us started, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, you mentioned that uh, I became a thought leader in paid family medical leave, but if you would have asked me um, 15 years ago, was that on my career directory, the answer would have been absolutely not. And so, Um, My background prior to delving into startup land was in corporate America um, in the technology and finance space. So I worked uh, for companies like Microsoft and Citigroup um, before getting into entrepreneurship.
0: And what inspired you to make that leap? It's always interesting to me when somebody kind of starts off in one place and goes a completely different direction. So what was really the inspiration behind your, your switch? I think like so many founders,
1: um, my own lived experience. So um, when I had my first son, I was living abroad in Germany, working for uh, Microsoft at the time. Um, And when I was navigating my leave choices in Germany, everyone is entitled to a year of paid leave, um, government stipend paid leave. The employer can choose to um, add on top of that, but everyone from the cashier to... A corporate executive gets a year of paid family leave. So, um, my husband also was able to take off time um, as well. And then um, we moved back to the US after that. So, uh, I was beginning to think about um, having another child. I was starting to explore my options. I'd been gone already for eight years. So, I wasn't really familiar with how things worked in the US. And I was frequently told to keep it hidden as long as possible. And I was uh, surprised. one, because I didn't really know how to do that. You know, do I buy different clothes? How does that work? And two, I didn't understand why. Um, Was it because I was going to be perceived less committed in my job? Was it uh, a matter of fact that I couldn't do it all? Um, Was it because promotions were coming? I I wasn't sure. And I was torn. And uh, luckily, we were able to figure out a way so that we could give our kids the exact same experience. So I I had another son and um, I took a year off, but that meant I had to quit my job this time. Oh, wow. And so I left um, the company and we really tried to make it work, but it was more a principal decision on my part that I didn't want it to be different and, and absolutely in a place of privilege to be able to do that. Um, and then as I started exploring and, and realizing this was a bigger issue, Um, This was before many of the states had passed. This is uh, the early 2010s. I thought, "Mm, maybe I should write a book on this, How to Have European Paid Maternity Leave in the U.S. And then realized people don't have time to read that kind of book. (laughs) And uh, said, wait, maybe there's a service here and ended up building um, a first version of the software and really went direct to consumer first um, and realized when asking our users, um, where would you like us to go and continue building features? Overwhelmingly, the issue wasn't helping people quit their jobs. It was sort of, how do I have this conversation with my employer or my my boss? I don't even know what I get. Um, and I don't even know who to ask. And I don't know um, uh, if I can ask and what that means if I ask. And so it became clear to me that we had to shift to a B2B and build a software that helped employees navigate. Um, these leave situations.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a really kind of interesting point about the US and how we treat things like maternity leave. And it's such a complex issue to navigate, particularly when the rules and the laws and the policies are different from state to state. Um, And there's not a lot of resources out there that help people navigate those. And for women in particular, um, with a lot of the information out there about how getting pregnant and and starting kind of to have children can affect your career and your career outlook, it becomes almost this topic where it's like it's almost treated as like a shameful thing, like you said, something to hide rather than something to celebrate, which I think is different in m- many other countries. That's right. And,
1: you know, so much has progressed since I took that leap. Um, In just 10 years, we've seen about six states pass their own versions of paid family medical leave. But that doesn't mean um, the work is done. We're barely getting started. 40% of women in the US go back to work after two weeks. Um, And the reason they do that is because they are not covered, their job is not protected, and they're not getting paid. And that's because FMLA, at the federal level, provides that job protection across all the states, but only for employers who have more than 50 employees. And so think of all of the workers um, who are working in a restaurant, uh, a local restaurant that doesn't have 50 employees. Well, they do not have any protections or not guaranteed any pay. And so we still, um, you know, I want to acknowledge the progress we've made, but we still have a long way to go and, You know, I do think we need all hands on deck for that, whether that's technology solutions, policy makers, and grassroots efforts, and employers, frankly.
0: Right. I feel like I was probably around the same time in the early 2010s. I was at a big uh, accounting firm and their policy was quite strange because it was one month prior to giving birth and two Mm -hmm. months after. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I don't actually have the baby. Like, and I'm being Mm -hmm. forced to take that one month before. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but you know, I know like what you just said, they've It's come a long way, and they really have made some changes that make a lot more sense. But we're still very far behind from other countries. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, I've had a lot of friends, expats, who've, like, been out in Europe. I always Mm -hmm. envied that ability that they had to be home with their children for a full year. That's a big difference in the development of kids as well. So, um,
1: And the demographic pressures that caused some of these policies to come to fruition in Europe, specifically after World War II, is when a lot of movements were happening there because of population decline, and they were looking at any way to incentivize people continuing to have replacement birth, you know, uh, 2.1 or whatever it is, average kids per family. Um, And In the US, we didn't really have that issue. Uh, We've missed our opportunity in the 70s to, to think about this um at a national level from a paid family leave perspective and then um it wasn't until 2008 did we start seeing um the beginnings of a demographic pressure uh cooker happening in the us so now we have had uh, less than replacement birth rate since 2007 and that's going to cause uh it's just going to exacerbate the labor market dynamics, um, meaning it'll be harder and harder for companies to find people. Uh, we do have some uniqueness in our uh, in our country to approach immigration differently than some other countries. But that's also a very tough nut to crack and it's not the holy grail. Um, and so I think. uh Again, back to all hands on deck. It's very quickly going to move into a business imperative, an economic imperative, um, to allow people not only to take leave for caring for a child, but also for um, a parent or aging
0: family member. Yeah, yeah. I was
1: actually
0: go ahead, Angela. I I was actually reading something the other day where you know, with the pandemic and the effect of all the baby boomers taking early retirement during the pandemic, it's actually exacerbated the bit, the issue, and it'll take upwards of 10 years to actually get us back on track, assuming that we don't have more challenges in the birth rate. And so with these barriers in the workplace to, you know, this kind of really valuable resource of having women who can actually be part of the workforce because of, you know, childcare and family care limitations, what changes do you think are necessary to in the way that organizations support their employees to kind of really expand be able to expand that workforce and create access for for women in meaningful ways um
1: I think we need radical inclusiveness um there needs to be a rethink of not only in the how in terms of ways of working um, but the what, uh th- there's just so much. This could be an entire podcast on itself <laughs> on how to solve this. Um, but I I think em- employers can really just start in companies with some basics and make sure that you've looked at um your entire caregiving population, for example. So not you know, historically it was well, we have paid maternity and paternity leave. What more do we need? And um more and more uh the sandwich generation is going to exist um and so we need to think about expanding um policies programs benefits for all caregivers in the workplace that would be one of the easy places to start but there's a whole bunch of other things that we can talk about as well
0: yeah and I think that's an important point and I think that one of the things so you know Runa and I have talked a lot about some of the barriers for women and the barriers for not only um, advancing in the workplace, but the barriers to entry in the workplace with family leave policies being one of them. And I think it's easy to think that family leave policies only apply to caretaking of children. But the reality is, again, going back to the retirement of the baby boomers, now many folks in this generation are also dealing with the care of elderly and disabled relatives. And so you have to kind of expand that thinking to say, it's not just about the care of children anymore. It's also about the care of elderly family members.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, and that can look uh, different uh, in two different ways. So you can look at your policies. Do Do we allow them to take leave to care for an elderly family member or a child, but how are we supporting them in their everyday life? There's a a lot of great discussion about the ebb and flow of caregiving, where you're in these moments of crisis where leave makes absolute sense. You need to go help that parent move from their living at home situation to an assisted living location. They have a stroke or something along those lines. But what if that transition takes place and then you're adding into more of a uh, standard. We still, I still need to focus on giving care to that family member, but also do my day job. What are some of the resources and supports available for those uh, situations which are becoming more and more common?
0: And what, what is the Anna, that you're doing through famtech.org now? That's a, it's a new venture you started recently, correct?
1: um yeah so to be uh you know fully transparent i didn't start it i would love to uh, take credit for that but the credit needs to go where credit's due and that really is to the group of founders that got together in 2019 having lunch and they uh, wanted to talk about this emerging vertical and um, they uh, were really thinking about how can we get together and lift each other up and so um, that shifted with Covid to an online community from the in-person lunch. And um then uh, I was approached uh, by this group as I was transitioning out, um, kind of one of the early founders in this space. And I was at the time building Leave Logic was the company I built, um, really frustrated with my own experience of fundraising and coming to market many times when talking with investment partners. um. I was uh, asked if I was a nonprofit just because I was solving uh, a care and family issue, and instead of recognizing this multi-billion-dollar industry that requires disruption, and so um, the other challenge that I faced was just being a female founder and automatically getting uh, segmented to femtech, and uh, and not acknowledging that this affects. Uh, right. a broader right. uh, mm-hmm. swath of individuals um, across all demographics. And so uh, when I first heard of FamTech, tech, I said, yes, that's it. That's exactly what we're doing. And so um, I was thrilled to come on as uh, the inaugural executive director. And I really wanted to lay a strategy for impact and help take the wonderful work that had been done by these uh, sort of this organic community building. We now have over 250 companies within our organization and help take that to the next level. So, what we're doing now is actually a 501c6, which is a nonprofit industry association model. Um, and this lets uh, companies come together and advance the industry as a whole. And you can do that through advocacy and awareness. Um, And we also can have the technical ability to lobby. And we do think um, there needs to be an innovation centric voice to the pending care infrastructure conversations to family leave. Um, We need to also make sure we're doing this in a scalable innovation uh, centric way. So that's a long winded way of of essentially saying it's time to legitimize this industry. It's very nascent, but it needs to be legitimate. We need to ensure investors are aware, the ecosystem is aware that there are solutions here that can scale.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a really, really interesting point is a lot of times these issues that are, you know, get cataloged as women's issues are actually societal issues. Um, And so the implications are much broader than just women. If you improve leave policies for women, that means that you improve leave policies for men as well. Like those two things don't are not mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand. So um, with that, are there any final thoughts that you want to leave our listeners or viewers with? I think I just um, hope for the day when uh,
1: the next generation of founders, female founders or other founders um, will absolutely receive the acknowledgement and support uh, when building in this space. That's what we look for, that they aren't just bucketed into the femtech vertical. And so I hope that we can play a small part in making that a reality
0: absolutely absolutely well that brings us to the end of our episode of grow her women worth and work thank you so much anna for joining us i think you're doing something really amazing and inspiring in the space and really getting people to think about this in a different more inclusive and more expansive way so we really really appreciate your time and i look forward to seeing you know what happens with FamTech tech in the future thank you thank you for having me thank you thank anna you.